Hello, welcome to Touched by Crime. Today we'll be hearing from Garfield Feather, one of the four um, that were convicted. However, uh, the recordings that we did with Garfield didn't turn out. Um, we had technical difficulties. So what we have is um, writings that he did from prison and it's being read by a family member um, named Leon Farley. Yeah, and it, I just wanted to add that we did try recording twice with Garfield, so it's not like we haven't, you know, gone a little bit, done the extra mile. We have um, really tried to to reach out, but for some reason, we kept having dif uh, technical difficulties. There was a lot of background noise, a lot of garbling. We're not really sure what the problem was, but we definitely want Garfield's voice to be heard, and we thought it was very important. We may have future episodes with um Garfield, we may have more readings of Garfield's writings because it's really important to understand the mindset of someone and the fear and anxiety that someone has to go through on that daily basis. And going to prison for the first time has to be traumatic. Uh, I don't care how old you are or what the, the reasons are, um, it, but he really does bring that across. Yeah. yeah. And I'd like to add that when we did speak to Garfield, he was very... Um, obviously still traumatized, mm -hmm. but he was also very keen to get his message across. And he was uh, very much wanting people to know his situation. Mm -hmm. So we thought that that was very important. And we have the letters that he wrote when he was in prison. So we thought that um, that would be great to put them in here. Yeah, and to have someone from the tribe read the letters so you hear the native voice. Um, also, Leon gets choked up at times reading. He gets very emotional, so be prepared for that. It is a very emotional thing. Right. And he does take some, yeah, he does pause quite a bit, but I do believe that's because he's just trying to get through it the best he can with trying to keep his emotions in check. It's important to um, maybe relate to you listeners that when we spoke to Garfield, it was very emotional for us as well because he was actually very eloquent and on point with these feelings and it was very heartbreaking really it was. and we wanted you to hear his voice and due to technical difficulties we um can't play the interview that we had with him but he has put his thoughts into writings and so we wanted you to have that. Also, in in the letters that Leon Farley is reading, there might be some words that he uses that could be offensive. However, it's important to understand that this is a these are conversations that they were having in prison. This isn't necessarily our feelings that we would choose to use these words. It's not necessarily Garfield's words, but words that were used um, in a conversation with him so it's important to keep the context um in your mind and realize that we didn't want to 
change the wording of it. That's just the way it is in prison and, and it's life, you know? So, um, I hope that no one will be offended by listening. And if you are sensitive to those type of words, please, um, refrain from listening to this episode. As hard as it is to listen to, these people went through this trauma and they lived through the whole thing and they want to have their voices heard. And like we discussed earlier, if they can live through this, I think we can at least listen and hear what they have to say. I'm living in an environment where violence is respected. I look around and see all these guys all tatted out, buffed up, looking the part of this environment here. I am all 140 pounds of me. Hell, I couldn't even scare a fly. I was fresh out into the system and no doubt looking at, looking at. I once thought I was a tough guy, but I was sadly mistaken as there were some real killers in here. Two weeks passed, and I was still hanging in there and still alive. This native bro approached me one day and asked me to work out with him, and I said I would. So the next day, I found myself on the weight pit. I looked around and saw all these dudes lifting weights, heavy weights. My workout partner grabbed me these little weights, 15 or 20s, pounders, some 30-pounder plates, just little stuff. So I looked at those, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed as this dude, these dudes are lifting the big stuff, and I got these little weights. My workout partner says, don't worry about it. The big stuff, this is us now. We will get into the bag, big stuff later. I soon come to realize that staying strong and healthy in this environment is a necessity. I soon got into a workout routine and stuck with it. I knew that by getting strong, I'd be able to put up a better fight for my life. I talked to these guys who have been down a while and have done time in other prisons. They told me that there are three things that you need to know about prison. You don't steal. That will get you killed or hurt very bad. Two, don't mess with the punks, the homosexuals, the f***s, as you will Lose a lot of respect. Number three, you get respect, and how you earn it is up to you. These were the rules that I lived by. This was the start of my continuing to this mentality and environment. So the weeks turned into months. I now worked 
in the kitchen and with the other natives all worked in the dish room where we washed the trays, cups, plasticware, and cooking utensils. I was also told where the weapons were in case I need, needed one. Up to this point, everyone believed that I was convicted of aggravated assault. So everything was okay on that level. On the, in, on the emotional and psychological level, I was still very cautious as I was aware of my situation and the consequences involved. I was eventually moved from the big unit to a regular unit that held 120 inmates. There were some natives in this unit who helped me get settled in. One, one thing I soon found out is that prison is very segregated. Every race has their area in the yard, dining hall, and the unit TV rooms are split between the races. This is done out of necessity, respect, and safety. I was told not to go wandering into an, another race's area as that could cause you a lot of problems when someone would tell me the rules of this environment. I took it, I took it to your heart. After being in prison for about six months, I decided to get my hair cut. This guy who cut my hair had this Parker scissors in his hand and I sat there thinking this guy can just step behind me and stab me in the neck or chest. So the days of cutting my hair came to an end. Caution and safety were the best medicine for me. If I felt that I was unnecessarily putting it, putting my life in jeopardy, then I'd stop doing it. I was also around this time, around this time that this dude tried to run a homosexual game on me. When he first inquired if I fucked around with other dudes, I told him that I wasn't gay and didn't fuck around thinking this was the end of the conversation and that I had got my point across to this dude. I didn't give any more thought to be asked this, you feel fear, but anger too, as I couldn't believe this dude was actually asking me this. It was about two months later that this predator saw his opportunity and 
tried to capitalize on it. I played poker and I was down about $70 when the guy running the game approached me and said the officer, other, the other natives, native bros would clear my debt if I stopped playing cards right now thinking the natives were really concerned I stopped. I was told that someone would talk to me tomorrow about this deal of the, the debt that got paid off. The next day I left from work to go lay down for a, a little while. On the way up to the unit I got a bad feeling that something was up when I got back to my cell the same dude predator was there and wanted to talk to me we went to my cell and I I left the door open this dude was no good so we start talking and he brings up the debt that I was that was taken care of and he was the one sent to talk to me. He worked in CMS and had his little tool kit with him. I happened to look inside as I walked by and saw that he had a screwdriver in, in there and he kept the toolkit next to him. I sat down and he leaves, leans up against the locker and starts talking about prison and how nobody is, nobody is schooling me about it. He get to the point of this conversation where he says, you know how a teacher schools her kids? I'll do that with you. Teach you about prison and you can be like my kid. <laughs> right there I knew this dude was trying to make his make his punk. I got up and told this dude I I got to go back to work. So I left thinking I'm in a real bad situation. It's about 10.30 a.m. when I get back to work in the kitchen. Lunch is at 11 a.m. So, so I got a half hour to decide what I'm going to do. I got fear in my heart, but like I said, fear is a real motivator. Just before lunch, I call this other native over and tell him that I'm going to have to kill this dude. I told him the reason and he sits there checking me out, looking at me. Then he smiles and says, 
Feather, you have a chance to go home. Get this dude to come in the back where we work and we will bust him up with the, the lead pipe that's back here. This is the extreme that I am talking or that I thought I had to go in order to get respect and to protect my manhood. I wasn't going to be nobody, nobody's punk as I'll die first. Fortunately, this dude got smart and saw what was up and later apologized to me, to the, to the native bros, said for me to let it go. So this episode came to an end. One thing about this, this environment, you'll find out your limit, your limitations and weakness in here will be capitalized on mine was poker and you see the consequences. When you're afflicted with a group, then there's an no turning your back on them. If a problem arises, it will be become your problem also. Whatever the problem may be, you are here to keep support and help in whatever way possible. If you do not participate in these group get-togethers, then you will more than likely get run off the yard. In the two years that I was at Leavenworth, Kansas, USP, we had a couple of close calls where we were going up against another gang, but the issue got settled before it came to violence. In my situation, it was in my best interest to be there as it would put me in a better light and I would be so suspect. I spent 16 years in the federal USP penitentiary and I seen a lot of gory fights. Some get killed, others stabbed up or don't listen to the guard towers warning to get down and end up getting shot. I found myself in these situations where I'm doomed. I do or if I do or don't if I don't. One night this guy asked me to pick up a couple of quarts of homemade brew for him. 
it wasn't that great of a risk as the guards didn't trip too hard on us. So I ran upstairs to pick them up. And when I turned around, there were five guards there. They shook me down and got the wine and put me in the hole. A shoe with a special housing unit. I got out of the hole the same day. We won our appeal. I was relieved and happy. All the weight that I was carrying within myself just lifted and vanished into the thin air. I went and seen my counselor and asked why I'm still in prison because we had won our appeal. He said to give it two weeks and I thought I should be out of prison. I went back to my cell and reality of my situation came crashing down on me. While I was in the hole, my cellmate had gone through my letters and found motions by my lawyer that had my charge on it. All that happiness soon disappeared and once again I was filled with apprehension. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please check back next week as we will hear from Lucretia, one of the children that was involved in the case. And if you'd like to, please give us a rating on the platform you're listening to us from and give us a follow. And feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. See you next week.